Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. I told my colleague um, that I tell my kids life's not fair and um, she said, yeah, that's a, that's a good thing to tell them. Um, she said, the other thing is cars. They're, um, they're always wanting cars. I said, ah, well, with regard to cars, we, we are actually fair um, because every, one of my, my, every single one of my kids is not getting a car. <laughs> But the extra mile isn't fair. If I'm always wanting to do what's fair, then I'll make sure I take every step of the first mile and not a single step more. (laughs) Fairness is great if it means that you're fighting for vulnerable and disadvantaged people. But if it means you'll only volunteer to the extent that everybody else is volunteering then nobody will ever go the extra mile. The extra mile is where where you go above and beyond what's expected of you. The extra mile is where you give up your own agenda to follow someone else's agenda. The extra mile is where you sacrifice what's important to you in order to bring the blessing into someone else's life. The extra mile begins when you've done your duty, when you've finished your jobs, when you've fulfilled your obligations, you step into the extra mile once you've done everything that which was asked of you. Yeah. Once you've worked your slots on the rota. Once you've done what everybody else has done. Yeah. So the extra mile is a place of challenge. The extra mile is a place of stretching. The extra mile is a place of pressure. Yeah. But the extra mile is also a place of the supernatural. It's where God breaks through on your behalf. It's where there's healing. It's where there are miracles. It's where lives are changed and destinies are transformed. And the extra mile is where you stand out from the crowd. Or more accurately, where you fade into the background. And Jesus in you stands out from the crowd. Where what you are doing to serve others enables them to see Jesus more clearly. And they are drawn to him as a result. They see through you the sacrificial servanthood of Jesus. They see through you the overwhelming generosity of Jesus. They see through you the incredible love of Jesus. Doing things in the life of believers which they never see in the world. The extra mile is what makes a difference. It's what changes lives. It's what transforms our world. And the extra mile involves a faith step. If there's no faith involved, then you're still on the first mile. (laughs) Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Faith takes a risk. Faith puts something on the line. And that always happens when you go the extra mile. It could be your time that's on the line. It could be your energy. It could be your money. It could be your resources. But whatever it is, you give it up in order to bring blessing to other people. And you believe God that He will fill the gap. 
We're basing this series on a couple of verses in Isaiah chapter 11. It says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. And this passage identifies what are sometimes called the seven spirits of God or the the sevenfold spirit of God because they're they're all actually aspects of the Holy Spirit. And so we're running this series for seven weeks and each week we're we're focusing on one of the, the seven aspects of the Holy Spirit which are revealed in this passage. It's a prophetic passage about Jesus. But the amazing thing is that we have the same spirit dwelling in our lives today as Jesus did when he walked the earth. We have access to the same spirit of wisdom, power, might, counsel, etc. But we need to realize they don't come from our natural selves. Their source is the Holy Spirit. And so we need to connect with him. Electricity doesn't flow from the socket unless the the socket is connected to the mains. And just in the same way, wisdom, power, might, and counsel don't flow from us unless we're connected to the Holy Spirit. We can only give forth what we've received from God. And that's why we need His presence. That's why we, we need His Spirit. That's why we need to spend time with God making that connection so that we become a conduit, so that we become a channel for, for the Holy Spirit to bring into our lives what we can pass on to others. The aspect we're looking at tonight is the spirit of counsel. What is counsel? It's advice. It's advice given especially as a result of a consultation, the dictionary says, a policy or plan of action or behavior. Counsel can be good or counsel can be bad. I remember a a time when I was 12 years old when um, I had some very bad counsel. (laughs) And um, it came from a guy called Eddie who was on my... um, I'm pretty sure that was his name. Um, Eddie, who was on my school bus... (laughs) <laughs> and um, it related to another guy uh, who's on the school bus um, who was called Malcolm and um, he was um, he was no more than a year older than me but um, he, he looked like he was about five years older than me he was um, he was built like a gorilla um, <laughs> I don't know if you know the the Calvin and Hobbes cartoons. Have you got that picture? Um, Calvin has a a classmate at school who um, looks, although he's only six years old, as if he's um, already passed through adolescence. Um, Do we have the cartoon? There we go. Never argue with a six-year-old who shaves, says Calvin. (laughs) 
Well, Malcolm at 13 certainly shaved, and um, he was sitting behind me on the, on the bus one day. Malcolm was not the most pleasant character, you, you might say. I'll, um, I'll leave it at that. Um, but he was from a bit of a, a notorious family who lived in the, in the village next to us. And um, on this particular occasion, um, Malcolm starts prodding me in the back. And um, I turn around, see it's Malcolm, and ignore him. (laughs) And he keeps prodding me in the back. And I continue to ignore him. And he keeps prodding me in the back. And this is the point at which Eddie gets involved. (laughs) Eddie has some counsel for me. (laughs) And Eddie's counsel is... um, If you want him to stop that, you'd better hit him. (laughs) Good counsel or bad? (laughs) Well, for some reason, I took Eddie's advice. (laughs) And um, ineffectually hit Malcolm on the shoulder, uh, which he responded to by punching me in the mouth. (laughs) Um, And um, Eddie said, you better hit him again. Good counsel or bad? I think I was a slow learner. <laughs> because the, the evidence against Eddie's wisdom was, um, was rapidly accumulating. But I had another shot at Malcolm. <laughs> and he had another shot at me. And I can't remember whether I did it a third time. Um, but by this stage, my front teeth were very painful. Um, Subsequently, the, the nerve in one of them died, and it, it, it went black. And uh, 25 years later, a dentist insisted on, on um, drilling it out and doing root canal treatment. Um, so um, I not only had the pain at 12 years old, but um, I had a big fat dentist bill uh, 25 years later. But Eddie's counsel is not the sort of counsel we want. We need counsel which flows from the Spirit of God. And um, our main Bible passage tonight tells a story in which the king of Israel, Joram, receives counsel which comes exactly from that source. Just to give you the background to this this story, Joram has had a falling out with the king of Moab. The, The king of Moab is supposed to be in submission to Joram. He's supposed to be paying him tribute and um, licking his boots and generally generally being a a subservient king under the king of Israel. But the king of Moab's decided he's sick of paying tribute and licking Joram's boots and and being a subservient king. And so Joram decides to teach him a lesson. And he gets together with two other kings, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and the, the king of Edom. And Joram comes up with this plan. We'll all band together and we'll attack Moab together and um, teach them a lesson. It's his own great idea. And then Jehoshaphat, he, he comes up with a, with a part of the plan as well. Because um, Joram's not quite sure which route to take to attack. So he says to Jehoshaphat, which, which way should we go? And Jehoshaphat says, um, well, I think the best route uh, would be 
to, um, to march through the desert on a roundabout route for a week and attack Edom from, uh, sorry, attack Moab from that point. What could possibly go wrong with three armies marching through the desert for a week? <laughs> None of these kings seem to have thought of that. And um, just before they reach the border of the, the enemy land, they find they're totally without water. And they, both men and animals are parched, their tongues are hanging out, they're in no position to fight a battle. Before you rush to judgment, if you think back on your life, you can probably find a time when you did something equally stupid. (laughs) But the great thing is, you're not alone. If you're in church, then God has placed you in a place where you can get counsel. And godly counsel. And that's what the king of Israel realizes. He needs counsel. He needs counsel quickly from someone with a God connection. Let's pick up the story in 2 Kings 3, verse 10. What? exclaimed the king of Israel. I suspect he actually had a few more um, choice words (laughs) attached to that. But uh, this is all the Bible communicates. Um, This is after he's discovered that there's no water for man nor beast. What? exclaimed the king of Israel. Has the Lord called us three kings together? only to deliver us into the hands of Moab. But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here, through, which we may, through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, Elisha son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. That means that he was Elijah's servant. Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Elisha said to the king of Israel, Why do you want to involve me? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. Just a bit of that background information here. Joram's father was Ahab and Joram's mother was Jezebel. Um, So this is why Elisha's saying... Go, go to the prophets of your father and your prophets, the prophets of your mother. Joram has been brought up in Baal worship. Joram has been, um, has been brought up um, totally estranged from the God of Israel. And so he's, he's not as evil as his parents, but he's certainly not um, a, a close follower of God. And this is why Elisha is not particularly keen to, to get involved. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to deliver us into the hands of Moab. See, this guy, he's been brought up in Baal worship, but he knows when he's in a tight spot, Baal has absolutely nothing to offer. And he's looking for the voice of God. And Elisha reluctantly agrees. Elisha said, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. But now, bring me a harpist. You see here the the link between the presence of God and worship comes out so many times in the Bible. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha, 
And he said, This is what the Lord says. I will fill this valley with pools of water. For this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind nor rain. Yet this valley will be filled with water. And you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also deliver Moab into your hands. You will overthrow every fortified city and every major town. You will cut down every good tree, block up all the springs, and ruin every good field with stones. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord, says the prophet. Three armies, thousands of men, about to die of thirst. But yet, this is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. And the problem that seems immense to us is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. And often, it is godly counsel that restores our trust in Him. It's godly counsel that encourages us. It's godly counsel that builds us up. And here these rather foolish kings are on the brink of disaster. But they realize that they need to turn to God. And so they look for a prophet. And when they do, he comes up with a solution they could never have thought of themselves. This is a solution straight from the mind of God. They're looking to God for their immediate need. And that's often our response too. We need water. Their need was met because God provided water. But that water not only kept them alive, it became the key to victory. No military strategist would would have said, to win the battle, you need to pour water on the ground. They'd have been looking at the geography and and saying you need to send that force up there and that force round the back and and attack from those three different positions at the same time. Nobody would have thought of pouring water on the ground, even if they'd had any in the desert. Yet that's exactly what God did. And when the Moabites saw the rising sun reflected in the water, they thought it was blood. They thought that the three armies had slaughtered each other. And so they ran to the Israelite camp to collect the loot without any care or, or thought or discipline. And as a result, when they found the, the Israelite army sitting there fully armed and ready for battle, they were thrown into confusion. The Israelites rise up, begin to fight, and they win uh, an easy victory over Moab. Godly counsel can not only save our lives, but can win us an overwhelming victory. Of course, once you've been given good counsel, you you need to choose to follow it. We we have a choice when, when we get good advice. Will we catch hold of it? Will we outlive that advice? Or or will we put it on the shelf? A colleague of mine was, um, was walking down the road close to our school recently and um, a car stopped and asked if he knew the way to Kildothel Road and he did, it was where the car had just come from and um, he pointed back and, and said, um, yes it's, it's back that way and the guy in the car said, no it's not. 
<laughs> and so, so my colleague said, um, yes, it's, um, it's just up there. It's back the way you've come. And he said, no, I've, I've been there and I've looked and it's, it's not up there. <laughs> and my colleague said, yes, it's, it's definitely that way. No, it isn't. My colleague got so frustrated, he said, uh, okay, then it's that way. <laughs> It really reminds me of uh, of when um, when the Israelites wanted a king, and um, they came to God and, and said, "We want a king." And God said, "No, king will be no good because um, he, he'll oppress you, and he'll um, he'll make your kids work for him, and he'll do this, and he'll he'll do that." No, we want a king, and God explains over and over again the 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 burden that will come with having a king, and eventually he said, "Oh, all right then." You can have a king. But that wasn't the best counsel. What God said first was the, was the best counsel. Anyway, we have a, a choice to make when we receive that counsel. We need to choose to follow in it. God has placed us in a community of believers for many purposes. And one of the main ones of those is impacting our city as a team as a, as a community, we can impact our city to a much greater extent than we could as individuals. Mm. But another of the purposes, another of the reasons that, that you're in church is for counsel. You're not alone. God does not always speak to us directly. Sometimes that's our fo- fault because our, our ears are not tuned in. But sometimes that isn't how God wants to speak. Because He's, he's created the church... Yeah. A, a body in a body not every part of the body always gets its signals directly from the brain sometimes one part passes the signal on to another and in church there are people not random people but um, there are people in church people of faith people who are planted in the house people who have stood the test of time, people who have seen God's breakthrough in their own lives, people who have been faithful through the years. And these people, they can bring godly counsel when you need it. Just before we bought our building over seven years ago, I stood at at the brink of the precipice and wasn't quite sure whether to jump. I, I could see the opportunity... I was happy to believe for the the £120,000 purchase price, but for a church of 20-ish people to take on a huge ancient Gothic structure that could really do with having a million pounds spent on it, that was was a bit of a faith test. And I I stood on the brink. It was a little bit daunting. And... um, some other people had, um, had given us counsel in the opposite direction. So here I stand on the brink and I think I need some godly counsel. So I got on the phone to Kevin and I said, look, do you think we can make a go of this? And Kevin said, yes, I do. And that, that godly counsel was the the confirmation that we needed. It wasn't the only way in which God spoke, but it was the confirmation that we needed to to go for the building. 
And today we're in that building. It's, um, it's beginning to look great. We're not quite there yet. Um, but it's, it's beginning to look great. It's, um, it's a place in which people can encounter God. It's a place where the city will be able to come to meet with him. It's a, it's a base for, for the, our church to, to reach out. There are still many challenges ahead. But you know, God says... This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. And even if I don't always feel the same, I need to raise my faith up to that level. I need to raise my faith up to the word that God has spoken. It says in Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Can we have some keys, please, Jimmy? See, God's power is not only available to us. It's not only something that, is, that resides in heaven, that, that God passes down from time to time. It's at work within us. This is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. This is the power that works miracles. This is the this is the power that brings breakthrough. He who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. He's the God of the breakthrough. He's the God of the extra mile. He's the God of the miracle. Whatever challenge he's placed before you tonight, however daunting it seems, it wouldn't be a faith step if it wasn't. Remember what God says. If he's placed that challenge before you, then he's speaking those same words that the prophet spoke to the king. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. Let's pray together tonight. Let's stand together and just reach out to God. God wants to bring encouragement. God wants to reactivate faith around some people's lives. God wants to bring to mind some words that he's already spoken into your hearts. God wants to resurrect some broken dreams. God wants to lead you into that breakthrough that you've sought. The Spirit is here. The Spirit of wisdom. The Spirit of power. The Spirit of counsel. Let's welcome His presence in our lives. Let's welcome Him. Let's reach out and reconnect with our God. However hard it seems to you, if God's placed that thing before you, if God's given you that task, then it needn't squish you because you can rise. You can rise. You can rise above every pressure, above every concern, above every attack of the enemy. God can open that door that seems shut. You know, just because a door is closed doesn't mean it's not a God door. 
Don't give up. Don't give up on what God's called you to do. Don't take no for an answer if God has spoken. Prepare for the breakthrough. Prepare for the victory. Father, we just place our trust, our confidence in you tonight. Help us to raise our faith to the next level. To the next level in our lives, in our church, in our city. To the next level, Lord. To the next level. We thank you for the future that you have for us. We thank you for the destiny we have in you. Lord, help us to walk that path. Help us to stay the course. Help us to move the mountain. Help us to make the way clear so that others may follow. You are the God of the breakthrough. We trust in you tonight. Thank you, Jesus. See yourself as an overcomer. See yourself as a mighty warrior. We don't live by what we see. We don't live by what we hear. We don't live by what we feel. And we live by the words that proceed from the mouth of God. Let's catch hold of his word tonight. Let's catch hold of what he has spoken. And live in it. Live in the extra mile. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.